0: Brother Chris, thank you so much. For those of you that were here last week, you know God is up to something. We had uh, Brother Chris Bourne come and speak to us about the nations that are coming to America and the nations that are coming especially to DFW. And uh, now you hear that again right here. But I want you to turn back to Philippians for a moment. And it's, it's quite interesting, of course. Chris, you didn't have any idea of what I was preaching on or what I've been teaching, but I've been teaching a message series that we're going to finish up called Shift. And it's about shifting your mindset, about shifting who you are, about shifting into the mind of Christ instead of your own ways. And then you know how the Holy Spirit works. Joni and I were having a conversation uh, on the way into church today, and she was talking about... Just the very fact of how that there seems to be, and just tell me if you think this is true, there seems to be in this generation a real selfishness is the only way we could put it, self-centeredness. Anybody known that to be true? And for those of you that are maybe over the age of 40 or 50, there was a day it seemed like when that that wasn't commonplace selfishness was not a commonplace as much as it is today. Now, as long as man's been around, there's been selfishness, right? We understand that. But there seemed to be a culture in America, even just a couple of decades ago, that seemed to put others first. And even though you didn't read it, I want to read it. When you go to Philippians chapter 2, it says, "...if you have any encouragement for being united with Christ..." if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any understanding, excuse me, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ, or you should have the same mind as Christ. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Can I tell you what we've been preaching is on shifting from being a simple believer in your mind to being a disciple of Jesus Christ, from being a fan of Christ to being a follower of Christ. And can I tell you a difference between a believer and a disciple? A believer finds a church based on what he needs. Now, don't preach me down. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching right. But a believer finds a group of people that will encourage them. A disciple goes where the Lord leads to encourage others. Now, look at me. Look at Pastor. We all begin as believers. We we established that last week. We all begin on that starting line of belief, and we do need to find places as new believers where we can be encouraged, where we can be strengthened, where we can be taught. How many of you know that's to be true? But there needs to be a shift from when we go from simply saying, what do I need, to coming into the house of God and say, what do others need? to going to the workplace instead of finding uh, and hoping and praying that there's a small group at your workplace that studies the Word of God and being a disciple that begins the Bible study at the workplace. The Holy Spirit orchestrated. I mean, you know me. It's unlike me to have two guests come in two weeks, but I felt so direct by the Holy Spirit to do this. The Spirit is speaking to New Day Church. Our prayer is, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to the church? It's, it's, almost, it's, it's, it's almost become a, forgive the term, but a rote prayer of ours to say, Holy Spirit, speak and give us ears to hear. Can I tell you, that's one rote prayer I don't want to change. I want to say, Holy Spirit, speak. What are you speaking to your church? And give me ears to hear what you're speaking. I hear the Spirit saying that it's time for us to move from simply saying, what is in it for me to begin to say, God, what do you want me to give to others? And you say, but, Pastor, I'm just I'm kind of weak. You know, I, I, I come to church. I, I come to a Bible study. I come to Wednesday night, you know, and, and I leave up charge. And I don't want that to change. Can I tell you a little secret about discipleship? If you truly depend on the Holy Spirit, the more you give, the more he gives back. I'm I'm not going to say that you don't get tired sometimes in giving. Hello? I'm not going to say that sometimes you don't need to be standing, the one standing in the need of prayer. Amen? I I think you should. But if we're truly giving out of what the Holy Spirit has given us, that's not going to be depleted. Because the spirit doesn't come in double measure like he did for Elijah and Elisha. He comes in unlimited measure. It's it's unlimited measure. I want you to just close your eyes for a second. And I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Holy Spirit, I give myself completely to you. Lord, as I give out to others, would you pour back into me? what I need in Jesus' name. If you believe that, God will do it. He'll pour back into you what you need as you give to others. And, and, I, and I'm, I'm here to say, and you know that I believe this, this, is, this isn't just about church. It's not just about serving at church. It's not just about greeting or teaching a class or being a part of something at church or leading worship or working in the sound. But those are all good things, and we need those. We need more workers, I promise you. We need more workers. But can I tell you it's not just about that, it's about serving wherever God has you. It's about serving the people of God. This this isn't this is something that, that is so ingrained in us, but I don't know that we say it enough. You don't have the job you have for you. You don't live in the neighborhood you live. For you. Now, can God bless you on your job? Amen, yes. Can God bless you in your neighborhood and give you a good neighbor? Yes. But what about that bad neighbor? Come on, everybody. You know which one I'm talking about. The one that you don't want to live next to. The one that no one wants to live next to. The one that maybe, just like Brother Chris said, maybe it's not that they see you, but they see Christ in you and they get agitated. You know what I'm talking about. Could it be that God placed you there for such a time as this for that individual? Could it be that that person has no one else praying for them? You know, I remember a statement that someone made to us, and because we're live, I don't want to say the individual's name, but someone who we are associated with and have been associated with for almost a decade now. That person made this statement to Joni. They said, you and Ricky are the only people we know that are not drug addicts. I'm not talking about somewhere in inner city Chicago. I'm talking about right here. You and Johnny are the only people we know that aren't doing some form of drugs. And then they said this. They said, you're the only good people we know. Now, let me let me ask you a question. Is there somebody in your life that you're the only true believer in their life? Could it be that God placed you exactly where he wants? And I'm not saying he's going to keep you there forever. I'm not saying you can't move out of a neighborhood. I'm not saying you can't change jobs. Hear me. But I'm saying, has God not placed you in that place and in that time for his purpose? When we shift that mindset, as Brother Chris said, when we when we say, Holy Spirit, I want the mind of Christ. I want to begin to think like you. I want that love to flow through me like it flows through you. We're going to begin to see people differently. And I am fully convinced that we will begin to see more and more and more and more internationals. Can I tell you, there are international peoples all over the place those of you that were not born in america you know this to be very true and i love you and you know that but can i tell you even international peoples can have prejudices what let me say that again even international peoples can have prejudices i know i know a certain country which again i will not name that i have two friends from there they're married they're a wonderful couple they have great kids but they told me that it was a miracle that they even got married because they're literally from the same nation, but because they're from two different parts of the country, neither one of their families wanted them to get married, even though both families were Christian families. And they say, you shouldn't marry that person because they're from that part of the country. Can I tell you, prejudice is not only an American thing or ideal. Prejudice is worldwide. Why? Because Satan (laughs) is alive and well today. And he wants to divide us, even in the church. Here's what I want us to do. I, I just feel the Holy Spirit on this. I want to, I want to, I wanna, I've got three points. I just want to preach one, if you're okay with that. If you're not okay, I'm still going to do it. I just want to preach one point out of my message, and then we're going to pray. And we're going to ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want us to do? What should be our response? What should be our response to the message that we just heard? What should be our response from the message we heard last week? And what should the message, what should our response be to what I'm about to give to you? It's very simple. If we're going to move from being believers to disciples, we have to understand that his mission is our mission. Believers have their own agenda. Disciples have his agenda. Say that again. Believers have their own agenda, and they can look all like, oh, I'm a leader. I've got a following. I've got a group of followers. I've got a bunch of likes on Instagram. I've got these people that listen to me. But it's about I, 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 I. Disciples are about he, 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 he. <laughs> And if it sounds like one is about I, 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 and another is about he 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 he, he yes, there's joy in finding his mission. He he. Come on, somebody. There's <laughs> so much more joy in his mission. When we recognize God, you put me in this job as a manager, as a worker, and as a temporary help. You put me in this job for a purpose and a reason, and it's more than a paycheck. It's for your mission. That's being a disciple. That's saying, God, I didn't get this job because of my credentials. I didn't get this job because I've got these degrees. I didn't get this job because of my experience. You gave me the experience. You allowed me to have the degree. You allowed me to have that so I could step into this place at this time because there's somebody here who needs Jesus. This is your mission, God. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. What is the mission of Jesus? I just read it to you. For the Son of Man came to make us healthy, wealthy, and wise. For the Son of Man came so I could have a comfortable experience every Sunday morning. For the Son of Man came so I could be happy, happy, happy. For the Son of Man came to what, church? Come on, read it. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. I believe joy and all those other things will follow. But when we get into the mission of Christ, we have to understand what his mission was. Do you know when this statement was made? Luke penned this statement right after and right in the middle of Jesus' interaction with Zacchaeus. And he penned these words. If you had a red letter edition, you would notice that this would be in red because it was Jesus saying it. He was saying this is the reason that Zacchaeus and his household are being saved right now, because this is my mission. This is why even though I walked into a city, I had all of these followers so much so that poor, short Zacchaeus couldn't see because of the crowds But Jesus was saying, it wasn't about the crowds that I came into this city today. It was for Zacchaeus. And see, Zacchaeus, you know the story. Come on, anybody remember the story? He climbed up in, we say, a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Anybody know the song? Come on. And he climbed up in that sycamore tree, and the Lord he wanted to see. And when he comes, Jesus is coming, and he says, Zacchaeus knew his name. Come down from that tree. Why? Why? for I'm going to go to your house today. I don't know why. Is it in the song I used to sing or I just thought, for I'm going to your house for tea? I'm going to your house for tea. I'm not British, but I don't know if that is why, but I just always imagined that as a kid that we were going. So kids, I don't know if he had tea that day. But I do know he went. What? Oh, Texan, sweet tea. That's exactly right. Must have been a Texan. Woo! Glory to God. There's nothing better. Anyway, so here's the thing. Zacchaeus goes, he comes, he comes to the house, and what is Zacchaeus' response? Do you remember? Is Zacchaeus' response, Lord, I'm gonna serve you all the days of my life. Is Zacchaeus' response? I'm gonna pray this eloquent prayer and accept you as my Lord and Savior. Did Jesus say, repeat after me? How do we know Zacchaeus was saved? How do we know that Zacchaeus was changed? Because Zacchaeus' response that we have recorded in the gospel is this. I'm going to sell half of what I have. Now, I'm going to sell all what I have and give to the poor. And I'm going to replace whatever I've stolen four times as much. I'm paraphrasing there. Why was that the response? Why did he not have to repeat a prayer after me? Why? Because his heart had been changed. And it became an outward expression of what God had done on his inner heart. I believe Zacchaeus didn't just get saved. I believe he truly became a follower of Christ at that moment. He truly began to follow Christ. So let's go back to that statement. What's the mission of Jesus? Come on, church. The mission of Jesus is what? To seek and save those who are lost. The word seeks, caro means to search for. To search for. That, it's, not just, it's not just like coming across, you know, a dollar bill on the ground and going, hey, look what I found. It's a searching for. It's a seeking out. It's like a heat-seeking missile looking for its target. Jesus came into that town, and you can't tell me that he was just like, oh, there's a short guy on a tree. No. The Holy Spirit had spoken to Jesus. There's going to be a man, and he's going to be of short stature, and you need to go to his house today. I believe that one of the reasons the crowds were around Jesus that day is because Jesus was looking for Zacchaeus. And when he saw him, he said, there he is. There's the man. Now, sometimes the Lord will be that specific. I'm not going to go into examples right now, but sometimes he won't. Sometimes it is like stumbling upon. But here's what I want you to understand. If you stumble upon someone that you're supposed to speak into their life, recognize that you didn't stumble upon them. The Holy Spirit led you there. There's no accidents with God. There's no accidents with God. There's no coincidences. If you're a disciple of Christ, he's leading you along the way, and you can look back sometimes and see the trail that led you to that point. So seek. Everybody say seek. Secondly, save. Say save. Save. This is what save means. It's a little long, but I want you to listen. Rescue a life from death, a person from grave illness, and thus restore to health, thus specially of God and of his Messiah. To save, rescue, preserve from spiritual death or spiritual disease. That is from sin and in its effects. The process is regarded as complete on God's part by the sacrifice of Jesus, but as progressive in our experience or only to be realized in the future after acknowledgement of sin and express trust in Jesus. That's from the pocket lexicon to the Greek New Testament. I love that definition. Why? Why? Because it means when Jesus saves, he saves to the othermost. He saves completely and immediately and progressively throughout my life. In other words, watch it's like this. How many of you have seen the movie Breakthrough yet? Anybody seen that movie yet? Oh, you've got to. Maybe we'll have to rent it and do it here. Breakthrough is a, is a movie. I don't remember which state it happened in, but it happened a few years ago, went on to the Pentecostal evangel. This young couple went to a, a assembly of God church and they adopted a child. And this child, I'll tell you the basic story, broke through the ice that he thought was good. And he drowned and he was under water. I believe if I'm not mistaken for about 15 to 20 minutes. Now my brother, my foster brother drowned and he was under the water for four minutes and the paramedic says it was a miracle that he survived. Now tell me how does someone survive after 15 or 20 minutes under the water in ice cold water? Crazy. We we have a fireman here, he can tell you you would come up on that scene, correct Jeremy, expecting to just recover a body, not to recover a life. It's a miracle. The story is a miracle. It's miraculous. Doctors recognize it. Everybody recognizes that he could even breathe was a miracle. The greater miracle was that the young man had no ill long effects. Now, tell me, when that fireman reached down and was able to find him with his stick and pull him out, was that young man saved? Answer, church, was that young man saved? Yes. Yes. He was saved. When they did CPR on him and got the water out, and he was able to breathe. Was that young man saved? Yeah. Yes. Tell me, was he only saved once, or was it a continual salvation? Let me tell you why it's continual, because he's still breathing today. Jesus saved you at your point of sin and death, and now from that point on, he's continuing to save you in your life. Who? <laughs> if I had time, I'd preach on that some more. Come on. What's? The mission of Jesus, church, to seek and to save who? The lost. The The word lost means destroy, lose, or are perishing. Jesus came to search for and rescue those who are being destroyed. After he began his ministry, he began to gather disciples to join him in his mission. John 1 says in verse 40, Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard that John had said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Andrew, where is Andrew? Andrew jumped. There you are, buddy. Jumped into the mission of Christ before he even fully understood it. Did you catch that? Andrew jumped into the mission of Christ before he even fully understood it. Can I just look up here, Pastor, for a second? Andrew didn't have to know theology to join in the mission of Christ. Andrew didn't have to have a seminary degree to jump into the mission of Christ. Andrew didn't have to even know how to cast out demons yet to join in the mission of Christ. What was Andrew's purpose from that moment that he found the Messiah and said, this is the Messiah? In other words, he got saved at that moment. And what happened from that point on? His first inclination was to go and bring people to Jesus. And can I tell you, even with a seminary degree, even with a master's degree in theology, which I have neither. But if I had them, even with those things, still the basic mission is to bring people to Jesus because Jesus does the rest. Jesus does the saving. Jesus does the baptizing in the spirit. Jesus does the healing. Our mission, we make it so difficult and it's not difficult. Let's just bring people to Jesus. You say, oh, but discipleship's hard and leadership's hard. And I get it. I understand all of that. You don't have to tell me. But when I turn somebody over to Jesus, that's the number one goal. I bring them to Jesus. It's funny. It's funny, Chris, how that Jesus wants us to be a part of that. Why doesn't he just show up everywhere in the world? Have you ever thought about that? Jesus, this would be a lot easier if you would just appear to everybody in the world at the same time on the same news channel and all of the channels at once would just be like... and then there's Jesus, and Jesus said, I am he. I'm the one you've been th-. Wouldn't that just be so much easier? But I'm not God, so what do I know? Can I tell you something? Jesus is appearing all over the world. Did you know that? Have you heard the stories? He's appearing all over the world through you. You're the representative. You're the one that comes in the name of the Lord. The second greatest commandment of all is what? Love your neighbor as yourself. And for some reason, Jesus said it's like the first one. If we love God but say we hate our brother, the love of God is not in us, John says. So if we love God, we got to love people. The greatest love we can show our neighbors is to bring them to Jesus. We've been asking for people to sign up to talk to Joni about doing this simple neighborhood thing. And just because National Night Out is on Tuesday it doesn't mean you can't do it at any point. At any time, we'll come and help you. We're doing ours this week. We'd love to do yours next week or later in the week, whatever. We'll come and help you or you can do it yourself. It's simply a matter of inviting people. Joni, can you tell your story about your parents, with the funeral saleswoman as we begin to close this. I think it's so important. And I want to tell you this because, and dad's not here, so I don't want to embarrass him and and I wouldn't want to embarrass him. But this story illustrates how that we have known a man of God, of course, for Joni's known him all her life. as her dad. But a man of God who's preached, who's ministered in the gospel for 55 years. But we just heard this story.
1: So, um, after the funeral, the funeral home sent us all each one of us a little packet and asked us to fill out this paperwork and It's kind of like a survey thing, and so I did it, just thinking they were so nice, like sure if this helps their business or whatever and um the other thing that was interesting is my parents had pre bought their funeral arrangements years and years ago, which was a super smart idea because we didn't have they were already paid for like they paid them out on payments or whatever and they were already paid for. So we barely had to pay anything for mom's funeral. And, um, I just was telling Ricky, wow, that's kind of a smart idea. Like we should do that. And, um, so I put down there that I was interested in talking to them. So the lady from, I sent it in and they sent it back and then she called me and, um, I didn't recognize the number. So I answered anyway, long story short, she was just talking to me. And so she figured out that we don't you know, we're not going to live in Abilene and we're not going to get buried in Abilene. They don't have funeral homes anywhere else. So we couldn't pre-buy a funeral package from them. But she said, you know, I still remember the day that I sold your parents those funeral packages. I said, really? You, you seriously remember that? She said, yeah. She said, we had just opened our funeral home as a family owned and operated business. We hadn't been in business very long and we ran an ad in the newspaper and your parents saw the ad and they took off like $1,500, buy your funeral packages today and get this sale. And my dad loves a sale. So that's how it, it kind of sucked them in or whatever. And so um, she said we did the funeral package, and they did it. And then she said we – um he, they asked me, they said, um, could we take you to lunch today? And um, she said I normally don't do that. And I, she said I don't think in the, the years – I think it's been like 15 or 16 years or something, maybe even more. I can't even remember what she said. But she said in all the years that we've been doing this, nobody has ever asked me – Again, since then, that was the first and only time that somebody asked me, can we take you to lunch? And she said, I really don't know why I said yes, but I did. I said yes. And she said, I went to lunch with them, and they took her to Red Lobster, which I knew that they love Red Lobster, and they ate coconut shrimp. She remembered all of these details. And she said, and then they looked across the table at me, and they said, we know where we're going when 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 we die as far as eternity is concerned. Do you know where you'll go? And she said it was so touching to her heart because at that time, she said she wasn't away from the Lord, but she wasn't really close to the Lord either. She said, I was sort of lukewarm. And she said, I told him, yes, I do, and thank you for taking me to lunch and asking me. She said, but really she was convicted in her heart. And she went home, and she began to pursue the Lord after that. And she said, I've never forgotten that all these years and just how awesome that was. And I just couldn't believe it. I, I, I was sort of shook to my core that, you know, here after, even after my mom is gone and stuff, like, we're still hearing stories and reports, and that's just the kind of people that they are and were, and my dad still is, of course, but that's what I grew up. You always thought of others, and you always thought, how can I show this love? How can I show kindness? How can I love them a little deeper? What can I do for them? And, um, anyway... I, I hopefully I'm teaching my kids that, that that's what you do. You You love people no matter what, because it really is all about eternity, because someday this whole world's going to be gone, and all that we have and all that we think is so important right now, it's just going to be gone. And there's not going to be anything to show for it except for what we have invested eternally and what we have invested in heaven. That's where our investments are going to count the most. So anyway, that's the story.
0: She started preaching there. That's good. I want you to stand. We're gonna do two things. We're gonna We're gonna do what Jesus said. We're gonna seek and save the lost or those who are being destroyed. It's not sometimes we use that word lost and we think that it's it only pertains to somebody who's not saved, but how many know when the enemy comes against your body, (laughs) that can be something very painful. And I believe that that's one reason why he said heal the sick, raise the dead. And so what I want, Paxton, you can come. What I want to do is I want us to do two things. We're going we're gonna to pray first of all, and Brother Chris, I'm going to ask you to help me with this. We're going to pray first of all, if there are any prejudices, if you have any prejudices or anything in your heart that you just need to say, Lord, I want your mind want your attitude. God, I can't do this on my own. I need you to come and help me to love people the way you love people, to forgive people the way you forgive people. We're going to pray that first. And then the second thing we're going to do as we close is we're going to pray for the sick and believe God's going to do something through that. And then we'll we'll release you as a group. But, Brother Chris, would you come and would you lead us in prayer specifically for that?
2: Lord, we we thank you for life, Lord. You've given us the opportunity to breathe. You've given us the opportunity to have heartbeat which we have no control over. And uh, how often we take control again and, and try to steer our steer our lives the way. But you are the way, and Lord, we just thank you, Lord, that you have a way out for anybody who is who inside knows they are not necessarily in that fullness with you where they need to be. So, Father, we, we just, you know who they are individually. We don't need to have anybody raise hands or, or show a standing of who they are, but they know in themselves who they are. Bitterness is, can go real deep, and it, and it becomes a, a defilement even. It's very clear in Hebrews 12. But, Father, we lift up every individual in the the hearing of this prayer. Every situation that you would touch by your spirit, by the power of your spirit, and break every chain, break every stronghold of the enemy off their hearts where they won't know any longer the way of the enemy, the way of indifference, the way of bitterness, the way of resentment, the way of prejudice. Yeah. The way of anger. Yeah. Holy Spirit, we ask that you come and just reign through the individual. Yeah. Yeah. Through everyone. Reign through yeah. the situation. Even rolling through them. Even even in their night sleeps. The change and, and the releasing and the freedom that you only can bring. We ask this in your name, Lord Jesus. Thank
0: you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, God, we do ask for that mind of Christ just to flow through us, that we would have the same attitude as that of Jesus Christ, the same mindset as that of Jesus Christ, that we would no longer be selfish. God, forgive us of our selfish ways. Forgive us of our prejudicial thoughts, God, forgive us for judging others by the appearance of who they look like or who they are. God, forgive us for even those that have hurt us and said all manner of kinds of evil against us and even hurt us physically, God. Or God, we just forgive them, but we can only do that with your power, Jesus. We need your power. God, you forgave us a great, great sin. God, so we release forgiveness to those around us in Jesus' name. God, I know that even in that forgiveness, God, you'll release healing. So if you're in this place today right now and you need healing in your body, in your physical body, and today I'm going to add even in your mind, maybe there's a torment or something that's going on in your mind. Either one of those things, either healing in your physical body. I just, I have to say this, don't stay in your... Don't stay there and say, oh, it's okay, it's just a headache, it's just a backache, it's just melanoma, whatever. No. Humble yourself before the Lord, receive prayer, and let's see God do something. So we're about to end. We're going to release everybody right after this, but I want you to just come. If you have a sickness in your body or a torment in your mind, I want you to come. We're going to anoint you with oil. We're going to believe God. God did a powerful thing last week. Just come and stand right here.